Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Katie B. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And we have not been in your feed for a minute. <laughs> a hot second. <laughs> a hot second. Yeah, we we took a little impromptu break because of a lot of scheduling stuff, but then some real life stuff sort of got in the way. So we apologize for that. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. And we're excited to be back. I'm super stoked. And I think we've been consuming some interesting pop culture things. Today, we're going to talk mm -hmm. about the Apple Plus TV show Silo and the MGM Plus show From. So we got two kind of puzzle shows. These are not that dissimilar, really. No. And I'm very intrigued about From. I would actually really like to watch it, but I can't commit to another streaming service at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So I we'll see it. if I end up watching it. Yeah. But you have been watching Silo. I've actually been watching it too, but you're farther along than me. So yes. tell us about Silo. I finished it in like three days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. You know, not a lot has been grabbing me lately. Mm -hmm. And then I think you mentioned this and I was like, okay, I'll, get, I'll give it a shot. It looks dystopian, which is sort of up my alley. Dystopian mm -hmm. can get a little bit tiring at times. Mm-hmm. But I started in it and I was just really intrigued by the setup and the world. And I will tell you all about it, you know, but I'll tell our <laughs> listeners. It is based on a book series called Wool by Hugh Howey. And yes, I, I have a hard time saying that word. Wool. Wool. <laughs> W-O-O-L. <laughs> the stuff the stuff on the sheep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so I don't know if you do you remember anything about the book? Like when it not when it came out but it was self-published yeah in like short stories or novella mm -hmm. installments and mm -hmm. it became really big and then he got mm -hmm. like a regular traditional publishing deal from it do you, and th mm -hmm. that's always sort of held up in our industry as like one of the lightning strike stories Yes, so I was curious yes. if you remembered anything about it. I do remember that. I didn't read them. Um, he actually still, I, I researched this recently just because I was like, oh, wow, this is such a, he's like done well for himself, mm -hmm. that he still retains the rights to the eBooks and I think certain elements of the hard copy, but his traditional deal is only for the like hard copy, like hardback and paperback. Oh, interesting. And so he retained most of the rights so that like when this got sold into being a TV show on Apple Plus, like this guy made out. So a lot <laughs> less of it has to go to his publisher. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know his contract, but I just feel like he really, this is kind of like The Martian, right? Where it's this person yeah. who ends up getting an adaptation from a self-published book. And it's like, that's kind of the dream. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're putting um, that out into the universe for us. Yeah, as well. manifestation. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have one of my one of my favorite things I released was traditionally published with an indie publisher. Yes. So yeah. I would be happy if that got adapted. So, uh, but if they want to adapt anything that I've self published, that is totally fine too. <laughs> yes, to all the the movie production studios and TV studios, mm -hmm. even though. Mm -hmm. We're on strike. We're on strike. So <laughs> we're open to stuff being adapted after the strike. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. We're not scabs, but we're just saying if you want to 
broker a deal in the future, that is great. We're open to it. Yeah. <laughs> We're open. Um, but yeah, so I hadn't... Now, have you read any of those? I actually listened to the first book after I watched the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was that good? It was okay. <laughs> Sorry to Mr. <laughs> Howie. But <laughs> I thought... Well, we can get into it a little bit more, but I thought the show did a better job of tying everything together and sort of deepening the characters and the mysteries. Okay. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you set up the premise of the show? We'll kind of deviate from talking about the original source material. Yes. Okay. So the show is about a literal silo Mm -hmm. (laughs) in which a a bunch of people, like 10,000 people live. So it's underground and you get the sense that they have to live here because something bad has happened outside. Mm-hmm. The very first episode, you understand that there is a rule that if you ask to go outside, you will be sent outside, but they send you outside in like a hazmat suit and you have to go clean or you're supposed to go clean the the camera lenses so people can see what's going on outside and what's going on outside is very desolate landscape mm-hmm. so they're in here for a reason and they've built their own society so there are like 144 levels and they're sort of in the books they're sort of split up between the uppers the mids and the lowers mm-hmm. and what happens is a man named George is found dead. Well, I'm kind of mis- skipping the first part, which is a bunch of setup, but we can, I think we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. So George is found dead and the sheriff has to go investigate. The sheriff is played by David Oyelowo. His name is Holston Becker. And his second is... Samuel Marnes, played by Will Patton, who I was, I was actually very surprised to see him show up. <laughs> oh. I don't think of him as like a like a sci-fi fantasy actor for some reason. Oh, I haven't seen him in anything else. What else has he been oh, in? Oh, the biggest thing I remember him from was Remember the Titans when he was the, the other coach who was not Denzel Washington. Oh, okay. I've never seen that. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a sports movie, so <laughs> yeah, not not quite my thing, but that's yeah, okay. That's okay. <laughs> anyway, so they have to go investigate, and along the way, they run across Juliet Nichols, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson, and she's an engineer and mechanical. And then it the, it jumps around in time a little bit, but mm-hmm. the main plot is when. Holston is no longer sheriff, and we could talk about why in a second, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he names Juliet as his successor. Mm -hmm. So there's this very interesting setup where um, they have to go down to mechanical and get her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like this giant walk because it's 140 floors or something. Mm -hmm. So... Marnes and the mayor, Mayor Johns, Mayor Johns, who is played by Geraldine James. Mm-hmm. They make this trek down these stairs, and it's like a multi-day affair. They they've got water bottles that they care, that they drink from each other's packs, and like it's a whole big thing. And they're sort of expecting her to say no, or they want her to say no, or something. But they just have to ask. 
Because mm-hmm. it's really unexpected because you would never think to put anyone in mechanical in the sheriff's position, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she sees something on Holston's badge that makes her say yes. So it becomes sort of a fish out of water story because she's not what everyone's expecting. She's not what everyone's used to. And she is very determined to solve George's murder or George's death because we we're not sure if it's a murder and also what happened to Holston, why what happened to Holston happened. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really interesting setup. Mm-hmm. I probably skipped a lot <laughs> and focused on no, weird things. So like that's <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's the main. Yeah. Something that really threw me with the start of this is that I, that the first episode is almost like a little mini movie mm-hmm. that doesn't have a lot to do with how the show unfolds ultimately. Right. We don't meet her for a while until like deep into the second episode. And like, I got really attached to a character in the first yes. episode who disappears, yeah. like doesn't disappear, like something happens to them. And it's, we think we know what happens to them. And I was like, I really like them. Now I'm sad. So just be <laughs> yeah. aware without spoiling too much detail, be aware that what you think is going on is not necessarily how it's going to be. So don't get, don't get attached to anybody and, <laughs> and be prepared yeah. for twists and turns, I guess. Would you say that's fair? I think that's very fair. Do you want to talk okay. about the first episode? Well, a little bit, yeah. The first episode introduces us to Allison, who is actually Holston's wife, and she works in IT, and they have been approved to have a baby. You have to be, you have to apply to have a kid, and it's a whole process. And she's been approved, and it seems like everybody has birth control subdermally installed by default and then you have to have it removed if you're approved to have a kid and they have like a year to try to have a baby and she's not getting pregnant it's really really sad Mm -hmm. and she kind of starts to investigate some things and meets George and they seem to like be investigating some things together and ultimately some things are sort of she starts to get really suspicious about the nature of the silo and if it's quote unquote real like it's real but she's not sure if it's necessary Mm -hmm. so she asks to go outside and kind of everything from episode two onward sort of spins out from that but then we don't really hear too much more about her and yeah i don't know so it is a little it's kind of its own little uh what is it like a prologue a prologue yeah that's what i that's what i was trying to think of and also, Tim Robbins is really interesting. He's in it as the IT head who becomes the mayor at one point, and he's very imposing. And I don't know if he's he he has a very gentle manner, but I feel like he's not a good guy, and it's it's confusing what his motivation is. Mm-hmm. And Common plays Robert Sims, who is the head of security for the judicial branch, and he seems very at odds with the sheriff's department. And his character has a lot of, like, he's very spooky and mysterious. And it's just a lot of, like, Juliet trying to figure out what's really going on and being stymied and being sort of underestimated constantly. Right. Even though she is extremely smart and has an interesting backstory herself. Mm -hmm. And 
it just feels like a lot of, for not being very many people in this container or this like society, there's so many little different cliques and groups that are at odds or hiding information from each other. Like, I just did the math. And if you have 10,000 people in 144 floors, there's only like 69, 70 people on each floor. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like very many. Like, I like this is smaller than my workplace. <laughs> like it's <laughs> half the size wow. of my workplace total population. So I just feel like, and that doesn't feel that big to me. So I just feel like this is very poor dissemination of information. But I get that it's like, a narrow container, like we see spiral staircases, and it's we get we get the impression everyone lives in kind of not very large apartments. This mm-hmm. is not a huge thing, but the fact that it's it's you know stratified over these levels is what makes it hard. And and even though it seems like they've got some kind of intranet, their technology is a little antiquated, even mm-hmm. though this is set in the future. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the math might be a mistake, honestly. <laughs> oh, really? Well, okay. everything says 10,000. Uh huh. I can't remember what, how many levels are in the show, but in the books, there are definitely okay. 144. Okay. Okay. But if you look at the show, it seems like there are a lot of people on each level. So yeah. I feel like it's. I don't know. Yeah. The math doesn't really hold up for me. <laughs> no. But that's okay. But, but, but I think it is smaller in surface area than we th- think. Yeah, probably. Like, I think each level is not that big. Right. We see people going up and down these stairs a lot, but they're probably just going, like, if you live on level, let's say, 50, you're probably living your life on levels 50, 51, 52, and maybe that's it. But you're yeah. constantly going up and down those stairs. Right. Um, and so it is a bigger deal to go all the way from, like, the very, very top to the very, very bottom. Yes, exactly. And it would be unusual for you. You know, I'm in decent-ish shape, but I know when I go up more than three flights of stairs, because I'm not used to it, it is, like, not fun. Yeah. Right? Because I'm used to doing exercise that is, uh, you know, lateral, not vertical. Yeah. So it uses different. It's different. I don't know. I did this hike into a gorge yesterday. Like, Uh going down was fine, and then I had to come back up, and I was like, what? (laughs) Everything is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's different. Like, these are two different dimensions. So it makes sense that if you're going all the way to the bottom where the mechanical department is, that it would be like a multi-day trip. I also get everybody's apartment is pretty small, even the fancy people. And the cameras to the outside are only in like the common areas, which is mostly the cafeterias and stuff. And so it's not in your apartment, you don't have access to literal, like light from the outside, right? It's simulated. Now, Here's my question for you. Would okay. you live in the silo either voluntarily or on purpose? What are the pros and cons? Um, no. <laughs> that sounds Okay, are we talking like now or are we talking about if there is a like environmental disaster and we're forced into the silo, would I go? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing to me. It seems like everybody gets an assessment and you get a job and you get a level and you mm-hmm. get an apartment and you get food and you get shelter. Oh, that's, and That's true. Yeah. There's no weather. <laughs> there's no snow. It's this kind of quasi-socialist utopia. 
I see where you're going. <laughs> and I agree with you. Okay. I want you to finish the season. <laughs> Okay, before okay. you answer that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah. No, but if if it, everything were perfect and everyone had good intentions and all of that stuff, I think it yeah, I think it would be sort of a decent place to live. It's no different really than like have you seen those big high-rise mm-hmm. apartment buildings in like China where they have department stores and everything inside yeah. the building? Yeah, it's sort of like fun. that. Yeah, yeah, we're living at a big living at the at the mall. There's <laughs> exactly there's out, yeah. outdoor malls with <laughs> with like townhouses on the end, and I've always thought, well, that would be kind of fun. There you and go. Then yeah. I then I forget that it's going to be loud. Oh, and, yeah. well, you know, but yeah. traffic, etc. But I would <laughs> if the price was right, and like this seems like they give you everything, and you're not really. I don't know. It just you just got to go to work every day, and that's it. You just got to go to work every day, and that's it. You can have a cat. There's cats and rabbits, yeah. and there's a. I don't. Are there dogs? There are dogs in the book. I don't think we okay. saw any in the okay. show. And the rabbit was sort of contraband in the show. That's true, but people people had cats that did not seem like they were contraband. So you're like yeah, a yeah, cat. Yeah. You have to, you know. There's they they tightly control overpopulation. So there's not. Um, I don't know. It just. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be that bad. If you have a normalish job and it's not you're not in the machinations of the creepy political structure. Yeah. Like if you're like the random IT lady, like that seems fine. Yeah, exactly. I'd be, I'd be cool with that. Or the lady yeah. who works in the like quasi mechanical like repairing some things. Oh um, my god, I know. love her. We gotta talk She's about great. her. She's great. Well, first of all, I, a couple things have come up while you were talking. Mm-hmm. We neglected to say that Allison is played by Rashida Jones. Yes. So, yeah, that was kind of interesting because, like, Rashida Jones and David Oyelowo are pretty big names. Mm-hmm. And then one of their stories ends in the first episode. And then David doesn't really last that long either. <laughs> no. So no. that was surprising. I think you've got to be a little bit prepared for that. It is true to the book, though. Because I think the first part is about Holston going outside. Mm -hmm. And I think that was sort of written as a short story and then it became popular and everyone wanted to know more. So he wrote the second part, which was about Allison and Holston. And then it goes into Juliet stuff. So yeah, you're sort of eased into the world and the mystery, I guess. Mm -hmm. But don't get attached to anyone because anyone could Mm -hmm. die at any time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, in the books, they made a bit really big deal about, like, they have porters going up and down the stairs if you need to send something farther than, like, a floor or two. Because you do really live in, like, the three to five levels above and below you. Yeah. And they do have communication, mm-hmm. but it costs credits. Mm. And... They like purposefully don't have an elevator, mm-hmm. which you think they would put in at the beginning when everyone, mm-hmm. when they're like, let's build some giant silos. <laughs> no elevator. And the whole point in the books is like they are trying to alienate people. They don't want yeah. people to associate too much. And I think that that plays into what's going on in the show mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I Felt like I had another point, but I forgot it. So, <laughs> well, and you could argue to the average citizen, we don't have an elevator system because it is an unnecessary 
drain on our limited mm. power resources. Yeah. That's they true. use this giant like generator thing, which is very precarious in the mechanical level at the bottom, and it powers the whole thing. And if you're, you know, trying to say, well, you know, we have everything you need in your areas, and people can go all the way up mm -hmm. and down on the stairs, it's, it's still accessible. Which I would argue it's not accessible for people who need mobility devices or whatever. But we don't really right. see that, which is sus. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. But the stairs are not normal, like, stairs in a normal building the way we think of them. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're, like, giant and... They're, like, a big spiral. Yeah. Too. And yeah. it's not like a an office building where you go into the stairwell and you're just going one direction and the other. Like, it's not switchbacks mm -hmm. all the time. It's a big spiral. <laughs> a big spiral. And the steps, each step is very large. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. Before we go on, I do want to mention a couple things. Mm -hmm. One, you mentioned the woman who stays in mechanical and just repairs things. Mm -hmm. Her name is Martha Walker, and she's played by Harriet Walter. And I was very excited about that because in the book, Walker is a dude. Oh. So I thought it was cool that they made her a woman. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of a parental figure to Juliet. Mm -hmm. And I just really, really liked her. She's cool, but she has a bit of a character arc as well. And mm -hmm. I just really loved Juliet. I think she is, I think Rebecca Ferguson does a great job portraying mm -hmm. her. And mm -hmm. she's really like prickly and, <laughs> and mean <laughs> at some points. Mm -hmm. But she's kind of thrust into this world where she doesn't know what's going on. And you get the backstory on why she wants to figure out George's death so much. And also you get some backstory on how when Holston was investigating George's death, they sort of befriended each other. Mm -hmm. So she wants to honor Holston and his choice in choosing her as his successor and all of that stuff. So I think she does a really good job. And like I started this and it was, just okay we're going into a dystopian world and that's not always my favorite thing but i think what really stood out for me was the characters like the actors do such a good job of bringing them to life and mm -hmm. made they made me care about them like they made me care about allison and then she's gone after the first episode yeah. and i was like hey <laughs> yeah don't do that yeah so i think they just did a really good job with that and they get you attached and you want to figure out what's going on and before I forget, George is played by Ferdinand Kingsley, and I really want to mention Paul Billings, who's played by Chinaza Uche, and he he becomes Juliet's deputy, mm -hmm. but she doesn't really want him because he, Judicial is the one who's like, you have to choose him, and everyone mm -hmm. wanted him to be the sh sheriff, mm -hmm. so... There's some interesting stuff that goes on there, and their relationship is really tenuous at first, or they don't like each other at first, but then they start to understand one one another. And I thought he just did a really nice job with that role. He was so, very good, yeah. 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 It's good. It's bleak. It's dark. It's yeah. sad. And it's confusing and puzzling. The mis mysterious elements do make you want to know more. I do feel like some of it is a little slow. There's been a couple episodes where I'm like that. I feel like nothing really happened in that one. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Yeah. Because once I read the book, mm-hmm. the show only gets halfway through the first book. Oh. Because the book moves really fast. And oh. I actually preferred the show because it does get a little slow at times, but I think they mm-hmm. use that for like character moments and yeah, the mystery gets pretty convoluted. Mm-hmm. But I that worked for me. Mm-hmm. But anyway. What were you going to say after that? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. I, I just, yeah. That that was my only real objection. And as much as I like Juliet's character, I... <sighs> Rebecca Ferguson is not my favorite. I don't know. Like, she's okay. she's got a very specific style. She's Swedish. She's got this very light little accent, which I find a little bit distracting. Yeah. She's got a, she doesn't smile very much. I mean, it's a sad world. She just is she a little creepy. She doesn't smile enough. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm so terrible. But like, I think no, I just, kidding. Allison was such a sunshiny. Yeah. Like she had a similar investigative curiosity and was really upset about like not knowing things, but her personality was completely different. Yes, and I just, yeah. and I love Rashida Jones. Like I just love her in almost everything I've seen her in. So I was kind of bummed that she wasn't going to keep going. And then we get yeah. this like cold. She's very, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Yeah. They're yeah. very different. Mm-hmm. You get attached to one and then you get, she's gone and, and you get stuck with the other. And I really like, <laughs> Cool. I really like yeah. cold characters, cold yeah. female characters, mm-hmm. and ones that are sort of emotionally stunted. So it worked for me. Okay. I agree that Rebecca Ferguson's accent is not totally there. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone is yeah. supposed to be American. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, you know, she's fine and I want her to. <laughs> prevail and She's succeed fine. and nothing bad happened to her <laughs> like you know I she needs to grow on me a little bit more mm-hmm. and I also recognize that part of like she's she comes to this with a lot of like sad things having recently happened to her yeah and people losing people so you know and she also hasn't had to interact with a lot of people in this like political way ever and that, I mean, she went to mechanical on purpose because she wanted to work with things, not people. So I get her whole thing. It's just, yeah, she's very interior. And that just makes a lot of her behavior a little inscrutable to me. Yeah. And I would like to relate to her a little bit more. But, you know, Allison externalized a lot of her curiosity and frustration, which may have been <laughs> a bad strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to finish it soon. I'm I'm pretty close cool. to the last episode. Um, and I believe this, has this gotten renewed? It has. Yes, yeah. it did get renewed for a second season. But we'll see what happens with the, uh, with the strikes. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let me know if, if your feelings about Juliet change after you watch the end. Okay. <laughs> they might not. I don't know. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so sorry for talking about that a long time. It really just, I don't know, in a sort of desert of media things for me, like I haven't been enjoying that much, or I've just been mm-hmm. watching background true crime. Uh, <laughs> this really captured me. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really good for me, and I very much loved it. So sorry for talking about it for so long. 
No. But <laughs> you have been watching From, which I'm super, super interested in. Yes. Especially knowing that it's slightly similar to this. So it is slightly similar. I want similar. you to tell me everything about it. So I am literally having trouble remembering if we have talked about this before. But if I did talk about it before, this we're going to cover seasons <laughs> one and two. So okay. I forgive our listeners. But I, I know that I've talked to you about it off off mic before. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. But anyway, I do think you would like this a lot. Okay. So even though it is on MGM Plus, which is yet another streaming service, like maybe you could temporarily cancel something else to to, to uh, <laughs> add it to your circle. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So MGM Plus used to be Epics. And we watched Chop Weight. We both watched Chop Weight. And yeah. Chop Weight is also on Epics later MGM Plus. And I will say for our listeners, MGM Plus does also have a lot of movies on it. And it's got some other interesting original shows. And um, so it it's also pretty cheap. I want to say it's like okay. seven bucks a month. So, okay. you know, if you feel like picking it up temporarily to binge this, it would not take you too long. Okay. But apparently this is doing really well for them. It's They've got one season one is a full season. Season two just came out and finished recently. Season three, it's already been renewed for season three, which is supposedly going to premiere in 2024. But we'll see what happens. They film it in Canada, which makes me think maybe it won't be as impacted by the writer strikes, but Mm. we'll and the acting strikes. But but a lot of the actors are American. So we'll see. Okay. 20 episodes so like you get a nice amount of content so it feels substantial but it's also not you know insurmountable yeah so this is a little bit of a convoluted premise so (laughs) (laughs) great love it already i also will admit the title is stupid it's the word from (laughs) f-r-o-m and i will also say that on on the from subreddit on reddit the little community where people talk about this show um they've come to like everyone hates the title. It's hard to search for. It's hard to mm-hmm. talk about. It's hard to find people to talk about. And part of, part of the premise here is that everything takes place in this mysterious small town that has no name. And so the people on Reddit have started calling it Fromville. And <laughs> apparently, if you go see the set in person, it's behind like barbed wire. And it oh, says man. there's a there's a big billboard out front that says in in like deliberately dilapidated lettering and stuff it says welcome to from town and it's like <laughs> ominous lettering so they they have a good sense of humor the the creators and stuff yeah this was created by john griffin uh, a bunch of the people who work on it in a variety of capacities are all former lost writers and producers oh, okay so um especially jack bender is one of the main executive producers and he did a bunch of stuff with lost and sopranos and game of thrones and so anyway so if you liked Lost, you would probably like this. It's a lot edgier. It is a lot more of a horror show. Okay. Okay. It's sci-fi, but also horror. So basically, we start the show with Jim Matthews and Tabitha Matthews, our married couple. They have two kids, Ethan and Julie. Jim is played by Ian Bailey, who is from Once Upon a Time. I think he was Pinocchio in Once Upon a Time. And Tabitha, his wife, is played by Catalina Sandino Moreno. And so basically, this family is driving around in their RV. They're taking a trip. Something very sad has happened to them right before they take this trip. And also, their marriage is very strained. The kids don't know this yet, but they're about ready to file for divorce. But they, they're getting along well enough. Like, it's... Not an unamicable situation, but they are not in a good place. Yeah. 
so anyway, their RV is driving around and they keep passing this like fallen tree in the street and they're like, okay, we need to go back and move around and whatever. And then they drive through this like very rundown town that looks like it's in Midwestern USA, but it is like everything is, is just like in shambles. It looks like a ghost town, but a, but a mid 20th century ghost town, like everything is kind of from the fifties, sixties, seventies. But it's still all broken and run down and not not renovated. And they pass through here several times. And eventually they also, I think they technically collide with another car. But the the sort of like fast forward to what is going on here. Uh, if you drive through this town and see this fallen tree, you are trapped. You cannot get out of the town. Uh-oh. So you're stuck there. Cool. Love it. And yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. So everyone in this little town, there's maybe, I don't know, under 100 people that live there. All of the people who are in this town had either had a car accident or they figured out their car is just going in circles and they can't leave. Oh. So no one living there is quote unquote from there. <gasps> They're all from somewhere else. Mm. And they have all arrived there on a trip from all over North America. They've got a map in the police station of like, you know, little thumbtacks of where everyone was coming from and everyone was coming from somewhere else. So this town, they don't even know where they are because it seems like you arrive there from completely disparate areas. So it's like in its its own pocket dimension or something. Nice. (laughs) It gets even better. So you also cannot be out of a of a building after dark. <gasps> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because no, that's that. that's that's when the creatures come. The creatures come. You know what this reminds me of? What? Wayward Pines. Oh yeah, it I has remember, a big yeah. Oh, of course. I and I read some of the books. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's very similar to Wayward Pines. And I remember season two. Sorry, we'll get back. We'll get <laughs> just back. A second. I just remember yeah. season two. They were like the the abbeys are coming and they were the aberrations and i was just like mm-hmm. oh i hate all of this okay yeah <laughs> so there are monsters in town great there's Love it. monsters Terrible. that come <laughs> the monsters come out of the woods so there's this little town is surrounded by woods uh. and like a lot of other weird <laughs> stuff and the, the creatures they call them all kinds of different things the things whatever but there's no set term for them they look like regular people oh but they okay. are not normal and they are all dressed kind of strange in almost like definitely more 1950s style clothing Hmm. they're a little paler than the average person okay and (laughs) they will come up to your windows and doors and try to get in and they like knock and they're like hey and if you let one in or if you're caught outside after dark they just turn into it's not really a vampire it seems like this just uh they they quickly go from looking like a normal quasi normal person to an absolute monster with teeth and and like looking kind of dead and demonic and they will rip your body apart until you are dead 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so in the first episode, in the first episode, while Tabitha and Jim and their kids are kind of trying to figure out what's going on, we also sort of flash over to a house with a mom and a little girl and the dad of the family is out of the house like he's at the bar or something i think and because he wasn't there to protect his family the little girl like there's a tap tap on the window and it's like no. i'm your grandma let me why won't you oh let me God, in no. and the little girl's like you don't look like grandma and she's like well i am though let me in you know and so the little she's very small she lets her in oh, and no. this woman just like this poor child and her mother are just oh my god I'm so upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the house that they give Tabitha and Jim to live in, is the burger oh, no. house. And the, oh, so the, the dad of this family is, like, punished for letting that happen. And so if you if you commit a crime that leaves anyone unsafe, what they do with you is they put you in, I don't remember what they call it, but it's basically like a cattle truck with no protection and you have to stay there all night and oh they're going to, they're going to get you. So it's, it's like the capital punishment of the, so <laughs> this sounds awful. <laughs> it's very scary. But so let me explain further that we, we also have this other are kind of our main, like Jim is a quasi protagonist, but the main actual protagonist is Boyd Stevens played by Harold Perrineau, who's from Lost and uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and all this. And he's fantastic. And he's, the sheriff slash kind of quasi mayor okay. and he was an Iraq war veteran and he arrived in Frumville with his wife, Abby and his son, Ellis, who was like a late teen, early 20 something when they got there and Abby died early on. Oh. Like we don't even, we don't see that until a later episode in a flashback of how she died. So she was, she died like people die here because of, the creatures because of a variety of other problems and issues mostly the creatures are the problem and it's just all very stressful so he's a yeah. recent widower he's also starting to exhibit symptoms of parkinson's disease which apparently his father had had and there's also in season 1 there's this there's this very clear distinction made between this thing called colony house which is this great big dilapidated mansion that can house lots and lots of people and they all live kind of in a hippie commune environment mm -hmm. or you can live in the town which is down the hill from the big house and people in the town just live in their own individual houses maybe with one or sometimes as mo most as two families together but usually just one family together and so you make a decision and there's a ceremony and you have to like decide and it seems like oh. It seems like Boyd is sort of the leader of the town, and uh, this woman, Donna Rains, played by Elizabeth Saunders, is the leader of the colony house. And the main difference, like, it's very fuzzy, the distinction of what goes on here, but like the colony house, people are a little bit younger, or they're single, or they're just a little bit more independently minded, and they all, you know, share everything. It's a lot more of a sharing situation, and people seem more freewheeling, and they're also kind of like this is terrible and we're just kind of living for today. But the township people are still trying to behave like they're trying to create an environment that is more similar to civilization. Okay. That all kind of ends up breaking down, not too deep into the show. And at the same time that Jim and Tabitha and their kids come, 
there's this other crew, well, like a this main, mainly a guy, Jade Herrera, played by David Alpey. Um, I think he was actually involved in the car accident with the Matthews family. Um, he came with a friend of his and his friend gets killed early on. So he's kind of on his own. And wow. he is a software developer and he's very inquisitive and kind of, he's like sort of the breakout character guy. He's like the snarky, you know, guy who's going to try to figure stuff out, but in a snarky, funny way. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so as much as they try to sell Jim as like the, like, quasi-romantic lead, Jade is way more interesting and funny and getting more done. Jim is a wet blanket <laughs> and we don't like Jim. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of other little elements here. Early in Boyd staying there, he discovered these things that he, they call talisman that are these little, I don't know if they're on wood, but it's like a little kind of like medallion on stone or wood with like runes carved into it and if you mm. if you hang that up in your house or in the building you're in the monsters can't get in they have to be let in oh okay so up until that point people would just go literally underground hide in bunkers and just try to be quiet to protect themselves from the monsters but once boyd finds these talisman everybody's able to be a little bit more normal during the day especially and fewer people are dying at night okay so it seems like it's a salvation but they see you still have to not let them in and so they've gotten better about trying to get people to let them in so like the grandmother figure is sort of taunting this girl to let her in there's another thing where a guy who lives in colony house there's like this girl who looks like she's a teenager from the 50s has been coming to his window and they've been flirting and it's like you know, I'm not like the other ones. Just, I want to be with you. It's, we can't be apart. It's so sad. And he caves because he's lonely and lets her in. And that causes the entirety of Colony House, which has way more people in it, to be breached. And, you know, that a lot of people died. So, wow. Yeah. And then the, there's other things too where it doesn't feel like quite a normal town. Like there's a diner. And one of the residents has taken it upon herself to run the diner and cook food. But she's able to kind of like, there's always more food. And they don't really know where the food comes from. Hmm. And there's a little farm, like a couple, like a brother and sister have a farm early on. And it seems like they just kind of keep finding animals and bring them into the pen. And it's kind of like, where are they coming from? And Tabitha, Jim's wife, gets real obsessed with their house having electricity. She's like, there's electricity, there's there's utilities, where is it coming from? So she early, like, I think toward the end of season one, she's like, digging in their basement, trying to find, she just finds wire, 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 and it just keeps going oh. down and down. And she can't find a source of the power. Hmm. So that's weird. Yeah. And there's also this guy, Victor, played by Scott McCord, and he's probably in his early or mid 50s, but he's kind of childlike. We get the impression that either he's on the autism spectrum or he had such terrible trauma at some point that he's just kind of stunted and he draws pictures and he's always drawn pictures and he relates to Ethan, who's a kid also, and they're kind of friends. And he lives in Colony House, but he's been, he's, we find out over time, he's been trapped in Fromville since he was Ethan's age. Oh, wow. So he's grown up there. So it's probably like the early 80s when he and his family got stuck there. 
And he seems to know more about how things work there, but not really. But he's had, he has trouble expressing it. Mm -hmm. So trying to get information from him is a little bit frustrating. But over time, Ethan and then his mom, Tabitha, are able to get more and more info from him. And that leads them to kind of investigate a little bit more and more and more. Victor has drawings that we see in the opening credits that kind of hint at things. And yeah, and there's a ton of characters and I could like spend a whole long, kind of like Silo, there's all these little side people that are interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just an incredibly stressful situation. Everyone is upset all the time. And some people seem to hear weird voices on occasion, and that causes them to do things that are not good for the whole collective. And yeah. And Jim is a engineer, but he makes roller coasters. So he does have some scientific <laughs> acumen and he and Jade kind of work together on a couple things, but they're kind of at different purposes and different goals and stuff. But honestly, sort of like Silo, there there are, and I've seen people talk about this online of like, I don't know, you get food, you don't have to work. <laughs> like, you have to stay in at night and you got to be really resolved against the monsters. But I don't know, like there's Jade meets a guy, the guy who runs the local bar, which looks like it used to be a gas station. He reveals that he had been an adjunct philosophy professor in his previous life. And he's oh. like, I don't know, this is not worse. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, things don't necessarily end well for him, but like ah. it's uh Yeah. They've got a they've got a minister who some bad things happen to him. There's yeah, but season two just kind of expands. I don't want to spoil you too much. Season yeah. two expands more on some new people arrive from a bus that gets stuck there. Um, and they cause a little bit of some chaos and some mm. things seem to ramp up with some of the danger. Um, but there's a lot of different theories online of like what is happening what the creatures are like the the thing that's so creepy to me is not just that they turn into really non-human looking monsters but that they're dressed so weird like there's a guy who's in a in an ice cream man costume <laughs> like that's not cool i don't like yeah. that at all like it's really upsetting <laughs> and he's always kind of walking around <laughs> yeah sorry and no, it's just, I mean, that's like a white 50s, mm -hmm. you know, little hat and everything. Yeah. yeah. It might be, it might be a milkman, but he looks, <laughs> you know, he's like a a dairy guy from the 50s. <laughs> a dairy guy. Yeah. I just don't find it funny that that's the guy that you find <laughs> so well, upsetting. He's really, he's really tall and skinny and his face is very long <laughs> and he has like a rictus grin on his face all the time and it's just like, no. <laughs> No, don't like that. Don't like that at no, all. No, thank you. The old lady wasn't good either. She was terrible. And the like 50s <laughs> teen was bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah, yeah. But they look human enough that if you just saw them all, you'd be like, well, what are they going to a costume party? But you wouldn't think it was that weird. But if you like they're they move very slowly and it's just mm. it's not good. But unlike something like The Walking Dead, we don't actually even see the creatures every episode, which I prefer. Mm -hmm. Like, I always felt like with The Walking Dead, it's like, ugh, I'm getting zombie fatigue. It's like zombie, right, zombie, yeah. zombie. And because these people talk, it's almost scarier than just a zombie. Mm -hmm. Because you're not sure what are you and what are you, what's your goal here? And like, what's this place? And Their goal is to rip you apart. I guess. And like, okay, the other thing that's upsetting is the theme song 
is a version of K Sera Sera, whatever oh. will be will be, but it's really slowed down. It's performed by the Pixies, and it's very the the lead singer of the Pixies has a very like deep voice sometimes if he wants to any it's just sung very upsettingly and yeah. it's like ew. yeah and it sets it sets and it's all it's all with the backdrop of victor's creepy drawings so it's just yeah Fun. but almost all the actors are really good a few a few backgrounders or or small part people feel like like not as talented and it the yeah. budget is pretty small so okay. don't expect oscar caliber stuff here but if you want something that is like creepy and upsetting and mysterious and we don't know what's going on like this is really good and we do we do slowly get more both character work and also a little bit of deepening of the of the mystery over time and i will also say i'm very glad it got renewed for season three even if we have to wait forever because mm-hmm. season two ends on a <sighs> giant twist no cliffhanger really really interesting development that's gonna kind of change things and i'm very interested okay but if you liked wayward pines like if our listeners liked lost it it does have a silo feel to it because it's this very closed community and they can't really get out because people have tried to go beyond the forest Mm -hmm. and stuff just and then i I, i'll just leave you with this little spoiler of uh victor talks about oh well that's a faraway tree and and he'll like walk around in the woods and go this tree doesn't belong here like this tree it's almost like the forest is encroaching and he senses it because he's been there so long so he's kind of like mentally and sometimes even in writing mapped things out and things seem like they're changing yeah so i do think you would really like this and when i talk about it being horror and there's there's some moments that are a little gruesome but it's not it's not that bad. It is yeah. Walking Dead level gruesome, but it is more gruesome than Silo, which is not really at all. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, no, that sounds really interesting. I mm-hmm. very much want to watch it. I'll probably get myself an MGM Plus trial Yeah. watch them this week. Yeah. Final answer for me, I'd rather live in the Silo than oh. in this creepy little town. <laughs> I 100%. 100%. Now, I will say, though, the from people, there's a lake you can swim in. There's it's, oh. You have sky and woods. You can go hiking. It's it's dilapidated, but it's not unpicturesque, and you are free to be outside. Yeah. I mean, I do like the outdoors. Yeah. So, And it also seems like there's no winter there, which I would like. Okay. So, you know. Yeah, it might not be so bad. Just got to ignore the monsters. Yeah. Don't let them in. Don't <laughs> let them in. Keep your talisman on your door. It's fine. That's all you got to do. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad you're liking it so much, and I will give it a shot and let you know what I think. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> okay. So we talked about Silo, which you can find on Apple TV+, Plus, as well as From, you can find on mgm plus yep and next time we'll be talking about more great pop culture stuff so be sure to join us soon for the rest of the summer our release schedule may still be a little irregular uh, but we promise we'll be back and we'll get back to a regular release schedule soon Mm -hmm. our theme music is by joseph mcdade you can find our website at positivelypopculture.com and from there you can find the link to the merch store as well as our email which is positivelypopculture at gmail.com And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts.
Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.